Welcome to Allie's Dreamland, a place to imagine a better future inspired by the wisdom of the past and present. This is my introductory episode, Creative Schools. This episode, as many will be, is inspired by a book I've read. This episode is brought to you by Sir Ken Robinson's Creative Schools. This is a dream of an educational experience that is interesting and useful for everyone. Before I dive in, I want to introduce you to the anticipated format for my podcast. I'm a systems thinker, so this will be as flexible as the school system I imagine, but it has a few discernible parts. The explanation of the title and the key ideas I gleaned from reading the book or watching a movie or listening to a song, inspiration can come from anywhere. I will pose the key answers I want to address in this episode. Often I won't finish the answer, but it will be discussed with much or with as much depth as I can achieve in one episode. This episode is based on Sir Kim Robinson's Creative Schools, just in case you missed it the first time. I will introduce ideas and solutions that address the root causes of the problem. Identifying the problem is the first step to solving it. Some solutions can be implemented within existing structures, but are most effective when given a different framework, which I will build throughout the series. I also want to consider negative outcomes, but only so far as they provide a path to workable solutions that will address those issues with the compassion and foresight of the positive outcomes. Why would you be interested in a podcast that focuses on education reform? We are all products of this system. Most of us directly so. A few of you were homeschooled. I am a reflective realist and know that our collective memories of the rites of passage that make up compulsory education unite us so we can provide a better developmental environment for those who will come after us. Many of you know someone the system has failed, and others know those who failed the system by finding another way to prepare for adulthood. Education matters because it is the common and expected journey that recent generations have taken, and I want future generations to go on a more useful and relevant journey than was forced upon their predecessors. And now for episode one, Creative Schools. Sir Ken Robinson is a legend in the field of education. As a representative of the academic system, he was able to demonstrate flaws in the system and solutions that could be implemented in the current system. His TED Talks are often assigned to educators as a form of conversation starter at a meeting or as professional development. Every time I watch one, I shake my head at the incompatibility of education reform in the country and Sir Ken's mission. His book, Creative Schools, outlines where the creativity is stifled in education and what skills must be taught intentionally in school for the next generation of innovators to be cultivated. While reading, I was surprised how many of school's ills can be listed with words beginning with the letter C. Two of the most important casualties of the system are curiosity and creativity. These are the focal concepts for the episode. The questions I will tackle here are, are schools doing what they're designed to do? You may be surprised, but not shocked, to know that the answer is yes. And how do we engender creativity and self-reliance in a system designed to destroy them? I asked these questions because I genuinely wondered about them during my time as a high school teacher. The answers to both pave the way for meaningful reform, and not just in education. These questions are answerable using the ideas and explanations of those who have inspired me. The answer to that first question? Yes, the school system is performing to specifications. You may be thinking, no, the system just sucks or it's broken, we can fix it. The system is built on an industrial mindset endorsed by the captains of industry at the turn of the 20th century. One way this is clearly true 
is a creation of those stress-inducing quality assurance standards called grades, which originate from the system still used to sort beef. Yep, beef. The system sees our children as commodities of different qualities to be sorted for specific purposes. More on this in a couple episodes. The lack of spontaneous in-person interactions among students prevents the development of healthy relationships and results in an increase in mental health issues. The resulting frustration and learned helplessness explain the national dependence on drugs and distractions, as well as the tribalism running away with the internet society. The nation is becoming progressively more illiterate and has been for decades. This is not new. Instead of time spent becoming literate and engaging in the local environment, we have a generation that is engaged with their smartphones and tablets for more time each day than any other activity, including sleeping. This time is spent on entertainment and distraction from the user's own life. This has to stop happening at school at least. Now this, as with everything I mention, is not true of everyone, but it is true of far more people than is good for our community. Students do not leave school with the knowledge of how to interact in society as an adult participating member. They know this. I've had conversations with hundreds of students throughout my career who have pointed this out, and they lack the tools to solve this particular problem. Now learned helplessness is solidified through fear and entry into adulthood is avoided at all costs. Creativity in school would enable the development of communication skills. This would enable kids to express their frustrations and interest and reduce incidents of mental health issues. Fostering creativity effectively requires rethinking who was in the classroom and for what purpose. Kids would need to work with peers of different ages and abilities, as well as with multiple adults simultaneously and for longer periods of time. This would do several things for the students, including provide examples of success during moments of struggle, introduce them to a wider range of interests and knowledge, allow them to spend time exploring their interests, and protect them from predatory adults by always having multiple in the learning space. The result is a safe, trusting environment that allows kids to be curious and adventurous, which are the prime drivers of creativity. There are many other advantages to making these few changes, about which I will go into more depth in later episodes and blogs. Students need unstructured time off devices so they can learn to keep themselves and others occupied. It's what the rest of us learned how to do. Creativity is not a structured process, and it requires an unstructured environment to flourish. The big tech companies knew this when they redefined what an office space could look like to foster innovation in the workplace. If the modern models of innovation and productivity know it will work for the adult world, how much better will it work for young developing minds? The role of a teacher must be re-examined as well. There are groups trying to find ways to do this within the existing system and have introduced such buzzwords as hands-on learning and project-based learning. These band-aids have some success, but are bound by many constraints from having the impact on learning that's intended. Teachers need to enable useful knowledge and skill building. Anyone can be a teacher. The part of me that always wanted to be a professional teacher rebels at the idea that teachers aren't supposed to teach in the traditional sense. Myself and millions of others really enjoy the job stability that comes with the assumption that good teachers are rare and need to be trained to become great. The reality, I think, is more like Chef Gusto's masterpiece, Anyone Can Cook, from Disney's Ratatouille. Teachers should foster creativity and knowledge that leads to the development and mastery 
of necessary skills for a successful adulthood, a process which will look different for every student. These skills are both simpler and more difficult to accomplish as a teacher than the current standards and assessments model. Assessment of skill development can be and is straightforward. If progress is shown versus a grade is earned, students would be able to move on more confidently and when developmentally appropriate. Their demonstration of the required skills was sufficient before grades were introduced to the system. As a substitute, the jaded teacher in me calls my job glorified babysitting. I know that I'm not far off from the truth. Though there are hundreds of educators who truly enable students to develop independently, we need thousands more of those. Enabling creativity in schools doesn't require an overhaul of the system, though that would help more. Creativity can be aided by seeing to the basic needs of people, especially kids. I'm talking survival basic. If you're not familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm talking the bottom of the pyramid, the things required for survival, the things without which learning is nearly impossible. Students need food and water, as well as the other basic functions of biology, before any real learning can occur in an academic setting. If you've ever been in class when you have to pee for a period of time, you know this is true. If you look at the pyramid, if you look at the hierarchy, problem solving, the darling of progressive educational movements, is at the top of the pyramid, which means it is only enabled for those that have all of the other needs in life met. These other needs include having family, friends, shelter, something to do, the need to be healthy and respected, as well as the ability to respect others. After all these things exist, then creativity and problem solving can grow and produce freely. This is relevant to education because the prerequisites for an effective learning environment are not met. This is relevant to education because the prerequisites for an effective learning environment are not being met for a lot of kids. Nine million children in the country are in food insecure households. That means one in eight students don't get enough food. 2.5 million children are homeless, which is about one in 30. 400,000 children are in the foster care system, which means that their home life is insecure. Two million Americans have no access to clean drinking water, with 30 million having water that doesn't meet safe drinking standards. Adding environmental pollution and ill health and a teacher can expect that at least 10% of their students at the low end are not having their basic needs met. How can we expect them to learn? It's only when these problems are dealt with or absent that real learning and creativity are possible. So how can we enable creativity? By providing a safe place with food and clean drinking water. Many schools have this, but too many don't. And unfortunately, the ones that lack these resources tend to contain the kids who need it most. Two of those he's mentioned in creative schools that would work together to give creativity more breathing room are community and collaboration. I dream of a world where people trusted their teachers and schools to let them wander around the neighborhood and visit local businesses or use public transit to visit somewhere of cultural interest. I dream of a world where curiosity and the need to wander is encouraged and students become self-reliant at younger ages as they were 70 years ago, and can be again. First graders were required to be able to find their way to school and home, as well as to the grocery store, and be able to ask a stranger for directions before being able to start the school year. I dream of community members volunteering to work at and with the school 
so students will know what their community is contributing and capable of. This is a far cry from where I was as a full-time teacher. For most of my career, I avoided parental interaction like the plague and experienced severe anxiety every time it was required of me. My interactions were by and large positive, and I knew that there was every reason to increase the frequency of my interactions with the community, but it never made the transition. I think it was one of the contributors to my burnout. I now dream of parents helping students in classrooms that may contain their children. I dream of students completing real projects with real business owners and developing skills they can continue to nurture throughout their lives, or discard as they age. Collaboration would happen in schools through teachers more effectively if lines between subjects were blurred, if not dissolved altogether. This can be accomplished while honoring the existing expectations and framework, or it can be done by changing the framework altogether. Learning is about making useful connections and collaborating with others when appropriate. This does not work well when forced. It does work to some extent, but why would you be satisfied with a max of 10 to 20% success when a small tweak raises that to 80? Teachers will need a time and space to collaborate. One way I've seen this fostered is through professional learning communities or PLCs. If teachers have specific goals and can plan with others who share the same students, they can pull their resources and make meaningful interconnected units and projects. And this is just one possibility. Teachers would then be able to assign the same project across multiple periods, subjects, and years, so students can work on something with more intrinsic value that will require a greater depth of knowledge and applicability than could be had by studying the subjects in isolation. I was able to collaborate with colleagues on a restrained version of this, a project that was structured to be built on throughout the year in both science and English classes. The goals were to research the cause of an environmental issue, describe the impact to the community, and explain potential solutions and how they can be enacted. The students also engaged in relevant community service projects and reported on their experience. The assessments were a research paper and a group presentation before an audience that included teachers, peers, and community stakeholders. I'm currently working on a sample of this, which I will post when I'm finished. So the ability for students to focus more time and energy on subjects and projects that are interesting and related will result in more achievement, collaboration, and widespread participation not to mention learning. In these spaces and with the time and freedom these projects provide, students can make mistakes and learn from them without penalty because the product in their learning is what matters, not how perfect they were in completing a process that was originally foreign to them. Learning and creativity are non-linear organic processes that are stifled by the traditional instructional practices. In order to reduce that effect, the framework has to be more flexible to allow learning and creativity to develop naturally. These solutions include fostering a space where kids can pursue their own interests and develop meaningful relationships with their community. Flexibility with the type of work done and time allowed to complete it allows students to work alone or in small groups on a variety of subjects and activities. Greater flexibility is added when the kids don't have to stop their activity at the same time or because an arbitrary schedule told them to do so. There is no study that says creativity flourishes on a factory bell schedule Having to record progress to meet standardized results requirements would certainly add a lot to a teacher's workload. This is why removing grades and mandatory achievement time requirements for students would make teaching more rewarding and for all parties involved. We already have a growing rubric movement in education that allows more flexibility with assessments and provides more meaningful feedback. This can be used to assess achievement and potential with much more flexibility and accuracy than the current grading system. 
Establishing relationships is also key to enabling students to learn. So having more people to create a variety of relationships with is important. If kids are active in their community and neighborhood, this is less necessary in a school setting. But it's crucial for a community that's disconnected and uninvolved. The presence of many adults and being able to work with the same people for many years, not just nine months, would enable students to learn how to be an adult from multiple sources and be better able to define that life for themselves. The combination of a greater variety of depth of peer and adult relationships has many positive outcomes, including resilience and social skills, both of which are in increasingly short supply. Resources are also a potential source of flexibility. We need to expand our definition of resources to include community members, parents, and local professionals. I dream of elected officials participating in serious discussions with students who were learning about their local government and the role they play within it. Meeting with their local officials provides the students with context and incentives to ask useful questions and consider different ways they can serve their community as adults. For those students able to ask critical questions to the representatives, they'll help keep their officials honest and themselves engaged, ensuring that their voice is represented in their neighborhood for a long time. For creativity in the community, local and aspiring artists and business owners would be active in the school community. When I say business, I mean like small businesses and inventors. This can be done with the school hosting job fairs or skills exhibitions, where local businesses and students can come together to share their ideas and potentially find new professional relationships. This would have the added benefit of showcasing industries and paths to success that are more tailored and varied than can be found in any of the currently available curriculum. So another way to foster creativity is to create a space that does so. The factory prison layout we're all accustomed to is wholly unsuited to fostering zones of creativity, and a teacher can only do so much with her decorations. That factory environment encourages quiet, which works for some, and conformity, which works for few. While sitting in on a graphic design class, the only sounds to be heard were the clicking of mice and keyboards and the low hum of machinery. Are you feeling creative? I wasn't. Kids? especially young ones, need to play. Creating spaces to play means providing spaces to be creative. Watching a four-year-old recently, I was blown away by the shifts in attention and the direction her imagination and curiosity took her. It happens that I get to witness this in pure form because she trusts me and knows that I'll follow her through her dreamland with enthusiasm. This is yet another reminder that kids need trusted adults in their lives. If we are to continue in a society where both parents are income earners and all the siblings are in separate rooms all day, kids need to interact with trusted adults in some way to create self-reliance and bravery to follow their imagination. As kids grow up, the role of a teacher shifts from fostering play and engagement to that of learning facilitator. Both of these roles require genuine interest and patience to accomplish their goals. For community members with specific skills, they're part of the learning to help with the completion of a project or part of a job fair, rather than a random time when there's no natural way to discuss and apply the guest's skills. AKA, the presence of a guest needs context. Many of the ideas I dream about will be discussed with more context and detail in future publications. Hopefully you can already see the possibilities. If you have a suggestion or something you want me to focus on first, please contact me through my website. So what could we do to jumpstart a creative movement in education? There's many ideas, but there's one I think would be a national treasure of an event. So all schools go through a complete physical redesign. Each location is designed by a student or a group of students from the community and is built by collaborating with local businesses. 
So student ideas would be presented, compared, and selected throughout a school year. Architects and construction companies would be hired based on their abilities and interest in the chosen student projects. The standards for engineering and science can be taught and reinforced in English class as students write proposals and create models explaining how their building ideas will enable student creativity, learning, and development, as well as understand and apply legal and regulatory standards. So all schools are given the same budget, and that budget would be reasonable to produce a modern school with all the current technology needed for a quality education. So students combine ideas in campuses in some places to create a complex where lots of different types of learning occur. Other students use the money for open spaces and resources rather than building costs. So students are encouraged to work across age and school levels, so that way engineering codes and environmental concerns can be explained and applied to a design originated with one of the students. All the groups need to include elementary age children because they'll have the most natural creativity, and that will drive building design to create a nation where educational centers are some of the most interesting places in the community. The results are interesting, creative spaces where genuine ability and curiosity are enabled and encouraged everywhere. Schools would be unique spaces and sources of community pride and inspiration. Creativity can flow through a community to unite and drive all people, not just the kids. So building creativity in schools is vital for the health and well-being of our children and our communities. Enabling creativity involves tweaks to many aspects of a student's life, from food availability to the quality of relationships to inspirational spaces. Sir Ken introduced me to the flaws and failures of the system and inspired me to dream of a fixed and flourishing system. Thank you for following me through this dream. Please follow me through my next dreams as I explore the consequences of the current system after exploring the natural process of how children learn.